What's up, Red Letter Disciples? It is good to see you. Or, you know, be on the other side of the listening device that you're on right now. It's Zach Zinder, co-host of the Red Letter Disciple. And in a couple minutes, I'm going to bring my friend Chris Johnson onto the podcast. But he's not a host today. I'm flipping the mic on him. I'm interviewing Chris. I think y'all need to hear from Chris and get to know like who Chris really is. Obviously, he's a great friend of mine and an awesome partner on the Red Letter Disciple with me, but he's more than just the funny, goofy, off-the-wall character. I mean, he has all those things too, but Chris has a powerful story, and I, I love his story. He grew up without a, a faith and struggled um, really in his teenage years with depression and suicide. And he's going to open up and talk to you about that today. And, and then you fast forward his story. Now he's a pastor, a, a church planner, and a really great man of God. And so like what happened in the middle? How did Chris turn into that? How did God use ordinary people in ordinary ways to really make an extraordinary impact on Chris? And of course, I mentioned this in last week at the very end, Chris is, you know, still a goofy guy. And he's a prankster. And so he's going to open up his bag of tricks on the pranks that he's pulled on different pastors in the past. And if you're into pranks, like you're going to get some new or old ideas, but you're going to get some new ones just saying. Today's episode is brought to you by Red Letter Living. We create resources that challenge all people to be greater followers of Jesus. And hey, friends, if you're listening in real time, it's Thanksgiving week, which means it's turkey, it's football, it's family. Okay, I probably should have reversed the order on those things, but you know what I mean. Like, it's it's a big day. It's also Black Friday week. We call Black Friday at Red Letter Living, we call it Red Friday. And we literally have the best deals of the coming year happening right now on our website. That's right, our Red Friday deals are already live, and there's a deal for everyone. So pastors and church leaders, listen up. We've got discounts on our 40-day challenge church packs that are as big as you'll see all year. Our 40-day challenges have been in over a 1,000 churches up to this point, transformed some churches, grown small groups by more than 40%, brought unity to so many churches as they focus on Jesus. And one of my favorites, as a pastor myself, get done-for-you turnkey materials for six weeks. Think about it. You can get turkey and turnkey materials in the same week. That's pretty good. Hey, but New Year and Lent are the perfect time to launch, which means lock it in now. Let's get the purchase done now when the prices are the best. And that way you've got the first six weeks of your year or maybe that six weeks of Lenten season already fully prepped out and it's going to transform your church next year. For all the listeners on the individual side, we got you covered too. You'll find our biggest discount of the year on the website as well. And if you go to the website, not only do we have discounts for you, we also, like we're generous. We try to be at least. And so we've got an incredible new free Advent devotional for you written by my very own wife, Allison. It's incredible. 25 devotions focused on Jesus, how he's always at work, but this time in the lives of followers not known as the 12 disciples. She dives into a lot of different characters and how God was working in their stories. A really cool devotional meant just for you. Anyway, all of that can be found at this link, redletterchallenge.com slash red-friday. If that's too confusing, just go to redletterpodcast.com and you'll find all the links in the show notes for today's episode with Chris. But seriously, a deal for everybody. And we want you to have the free Advent devotional written by Red Letter Living, her, their own Allison Zender. But hey, guys, this is going to be a great episode. Can't wait for you to see Chris in this new light. And before we get there, though, if you haven't already, stop, press pause, and please give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening to. Or if you're on YouTube, make sure you're following along so that way you never miss an episode. Ratings, reviews, subscribes, follows, all that stuff in the podcast world is gold. And that would be a really great thing to do to honor us and even to honor my friend Chris on this episode today. So without further ado, let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, today is a unique episode, but I think a necessary one as I sit here and ponder the red letter disciple you know it wouldn't it wouldn't be what it is without the reverend chris johnson but i realized you know we're four plus seasons into this and yeah you get to see chris as the goofy sidekick and and he is that for sure that's a huge part of his personality but you maybe don't know who chris johnson is or his background 
And we bring a lot of guests on to tell their stories because they're powerful stories. And I think Chris has one. I know Chris has one, too. So, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to hear from the one and the only Reverend Chris Johnson. He is senior pastor now of Resurrection Church in Sanford, Florida, originally from Iowa. His wife, Jennifer, and him have two kids, Kylie and Carter. Prior to planning Resurrection, he was at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Lake Mary for 20 years. He loves sports. He loves fishing. I bet you didn't know this. In 2010, Chris started cancerbank.org, a nonprofit to help families dealing with cancer bills. And the nonprofit group has raised and paid out to date more than a quarter of a million dollars in medical bills. That's pretty awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Normally my co-host, but today, the one being interviewed, Chris Johnson. How does this work? Is this on? Can you hear me? Check, check, check. Have you not done this before? I'm just so nervous. Um, (laughs) And I, you notice uh, this will be the only episode where I will not wear the ridiculous red jacket because I'm going to be the straight guy for once. No, that's, you're going to be who you are. Mm. Hey, people need to know who you are. You've been my sidekick (laughs) in this thing. We're like 50 plus episodes in, especially after season five. Yeah. And, and I think people, (laughs) I think you get a good picture of who you are. (laughs) Just if, you know, they watched and listened to every episode. Yeah. But I wanted to flip the mic uh, so people can really have a chance to get to know you and your story. Yeah. And so this is, yeah, your opportunity to kind of let us know who you are. Uh, and, uh, but, <laughs> but a lot of who you are is what we've seen. So for instance, Chris, do you remember the first thing that you said to me <laughs> so, when I ever met wait, you? So let me, let so me, we let, gotta, yeah, let me frame, frame it. it. Uh, so <laughs> I have, whenever a new pastor starts at, the uh, at the, our network that we worked at, I would always pull a prank on them. And so for instance, Matt, who we worked with. He had this, we shared an office and he had this ridiculously big, like picture of a sailboat because he loves sailing. And so I purposely beat him into the office every day and I would turn it a quarter inch. Like, so it would be, and I did it literally for 30 days. I I would beat him in. And so finally he came in and he goes, what the heck? Is there something wrong with our foundation? My picture is always a quarter inch turned to the left. And I'm like trying to hide that, you know? And so one day I'm running late and I'm adjusting the picture and he comes in and he sees it. He goes, I thought I was losing my mind. And he like comes barreling in. And I mean, the good stuff with Zach Sender that we did with the cat facts. I texted with him. John Thomas. Yeah. John Thomas was a pastor and he started. And I found this website. It was like 15 years ago where you can anonymously text somebody. Yeah. And I knew that he hated cats. So I started this anonymous ca- uh, text called Cat Facts, <laughs> where I would like text him daily uh, facts about cats. And then he would, it would say like, just text 654 to, you know, quit. And he would be like, 654, 654, 654. And so I would text him, like, I text him for four but weeks. But that would come back to you. So well, the I'd see it on the computer. I would see, yeah. I'd see it on the thing. Yeah. And then finally, I was like, I got to end this because I have work to do. So I sent him hourly cat facts. And they started getting weirder. Like, did you know it takes 87 pelts to make a coat? Of, you know, like, and he's like, what is? So he... So our boss came to us and he goes, he's the only one that knew that I was doing this. And he goes, hey, man, you got to go stop John. He's going to Verizon to change his phone. (laughs) So I go running out of the office and I said, hey, John, I'm the one doing cat facts. Now, John is stacked like he's a big dude. So he comes barreling at me and he outruns me, picks me up and throws me in the church dumpster. But (laughs) I don't even care. Worth it. So I've done this to every pastor that started. But you were different because like you came in and uh, he, Zach comes in. I remember the first time I see him, like, gosh, it was a while ago. And he comes in. He's like all excited. He's like, man, hey, I've heard a lot about you, Chris. Now I'm the old curmudgeon that's been around for a while. And he comes up and he shakes my hand. And I look at him and I said, everybody in this congregation loves me. I can turn them against you like this. And I snap <laughs> my finger. And I didn't break a smile. And I remember Zach going up to our buddy Ben and going, what's up with Chris? <laughs> <laughs> That's the best I could do. Yeah. I don't know. that, But you got out, you got out of it. No I'm problem. I'm appreciative that, was, that I didn't get the cat was, facts. Oh, man. All my jokes usually take yeah. like a long time to develop. But- <laughs> 
that one. So that is a good piece of who you are. So I like, like I like, like a good joke. Yeah, Zach. you do. I like a good joke, and that's why I love having you on the podcast. Because the goal of this podcast was from the beginning, we definitely want to challenge people to be greater disciples. We want to share great stories, have some really awesome conversations and substance. But we want to laugh, yeah. And life's tough, it and is. so we want to provide some levity in all of this, and and give grace to one another. And and I thought you'd be the perfect partner on the show with well, me. Thank and so you. thank you very love much. Love how it's going these first several seasons. Oh, but I, I want to jump into your story sure. outside of the jokes and the pranks, yeah, which yeah, we love. Yeah, yep. Who is Chris Johnson? So you grew up in the <laughs> dreadful state of Iowa. Hey, that's I'm not kidding. Fair. I'm kidding. I love right. the state of Iowa. No, it's a good state. But you didn't grow up like with a childhood like I did. I grew up being a pastor's kid, growing up with faith, and that was a huge mm. piece of my upbringing and my family. That wasn't your story. No, man. I like look at your story, and I'm <laughs> like, golly, I'm envious, you know. And it's funny, uh, you know, I didn't have like any kind of dramatic, one of these dramatic transformations or anything. But yeah. So a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up small town. Uh, Southwest Iowa called Anita. We had a golf course, a really good lake, and like five <laughs> bars and like one grocery store, right? And um, we, so I want to back up a second. I grew up with my grandparents. Yeah. And, and the reason that I grew up with my grandparents is that um, my mom, uh, she was pregnant at 17 years old. And of course, she wasn't planning to do that. And uh, I, also had, um, so my dad, um, was never in the picture. Yeah. I never knew my dad. Um, mm. and so my mom, God bless her. I, she's passed away. Um, but she wrestled a lot of demons when she was young sure. too, you know? Um, and so there would be times where she was, so she was pregnant and I remember asking my family, did she ever consider abortion? And to her credit, she never did, or wow. I would not be here. Yeah. You know, at 17 years old, that's, yeah. you know, that's tough, especially if you're battling demons, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so this is in the seventies, right? Um, and she was trying to be a nurse. So she graduated high school and she wanted to be a nurse. Yeah. And she was basically going to school in the day and then doing, doing, working in a nursing home at night which doesn't lead to like raising a baby. Yeah. You know? So my grandparents took me in um, and I was raised by them. And my grandfather was incredible. Like he traveled all over for the military. Mm -hmm. And then they said that um, his dad um, ended up getting uh, cancer and he was living in Hawaii with my mom and two, two other um, daughters. Mm -hmm. And, and they basically, he was the oldest of the group. And, his mom, Una Johnson, my great great grandma, mm -hmm. called him and said, "Your dad has cancer. You need to move back home." Mm. And so my mom told me the story that um, the they <laughs> she had lived in Hawaii her whole life yeah. for like thirteen years, you know. Yeah. And they had to take a cruise ship over from Hawaii to call California to catch yeah. a plane to Iowa. Yeah. And, and, and she said that her and her two sisters were crying the whole time because they didn't want to leave Hawaii. <laughs> Worst cruise ever. I know. Like, can you imagine those? <laughs> right. Seriously? Like you're moving from Waikiki, yeah. Hawaii to Anita, Iowa. Like, <laughs> and God bless you, Anita, Iowa, but like, you're no Hawaii. And so anyway, um, I grew up in that home yeah. and there was like no talk of God or Jesus uh, at all. And, and, and then I had this like overall confusion because my grandparents were not like real emotive. And I always wondered like, why didn't I live with my mom? Where's my dad? Mm -hmm. You know? And, and we'd have parents night at like the elementary school and, and like my grandparents are gone, yeah. you know, and it was always uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and, and God bless my grandmother, but she was also going through, I, I gotta tell you like the first moment I prayed to God, mm. um, the first moment I ever prayed to God, um, my grandmother, I, I guarantee she was going through some kind of mental collapse, okay. you know, when I was about seven or eight and it would get to the point where she's no longer with us. Um, but it would get to the point where she would say, clean your room. And I would clean my room and it, it wouldn't be good enough. <laughs> and so she'd literally beat me up. Mm. Um, and so the next day I was like, well, crud, yeah, I got beat up for not doing well. I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. Then I would get beat up for that. <laughs> right. I, I mean, it wasn't like just, uh, like, a you know, a SWAT that, you know, 
we all got growing mm-hmm. up. It was, I mean, it was aggressive. It was bad. Right. And I'd end up crying and, and it, it was just brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one day I was like eight, eight, eight or or so years old and it's snowing outside. And I, my room was on the uh, top floor, uh, second floor of the house. Yeah. And I remember seeing the snow and just becoming incredibly depressed. And, and I remember thinking, this is the way that it's always going to be. I'm never going to have a relationship with my mom. I'm never going to know my dad. Yeah. My mom is, or my grandma's going through this like condition I can't understand. Um, and, and my grandpa, quite frankly, is an alcoholic at this point. Um, and I loved him, but I was so scared that if I said something about my grandmother, that I was going to be like in some weird foster home or something. Mm -hmm. So I kept it all in. Yeah. I kept it all in and, and, and the beatings got like worse. And, and I remember laying on my bed and saying, Oh my God, like, God, if you're really there, like, why are you allowing this to happen to a kid? You know, that doesn't make any sense to me. And I remember having those, you know, privately, I had those thoughts of, you know, if I was gone right now, nobody would, I'd be less of a burden if I was just gone. Mm. And and so, I mean, I definitely had suicidal thoughts. I definitely had all that stuff at eight or nine years old, hundred percent. Like, and I was just convinced that nobody would care if I was gone, like a hundred percent. Yeah. But you know, (laughs) I couldn't figure out how to do it, you know, like, I I mean, thank God. Yeah. No, but that's honest. Like if I'm being completely authentic with you, like I couldn't figure out how to do it, you know? Um, so I would just go to school. I was an emotional wreck, you know, in elementary school, I would have like burst out in just like emotive, uh, like temper tantrums. And, Mm -hmm. and then I was the shy kid and, you know, so one day I, um, I'm actually walking, uh, down our house was really close to downtown. Like I was the only kid that was not a farmer. Basically Mm -hmm. I had 18 kids in my class and Mm -hmm. it was a public school and uh, I'm walking down to the grocery store and have a couple of quarters in my pocket, get some candy. And I'm walking down and I see this band show and you know, that was right by my house. And I see one of my good friends down there and it's in the summer Mm -hmm. and he waves me over. He said, Hey, Chris, come on over. And there was this sweet old lady and they were doing VBS. Cool. Yeah. As the first vacation Bible school is the first time I'd ever heard, you know, like these stories. And how old were you that? Oh, same, I was right around the same age. Okay. So I'm in elementary school. Yeah. So the sweet old lady, she's got the, you know, the, the fabric Jesus and she's telling the story (laughs) and, and, you know, we get fed. So I'm like, okay, I'll stick around for this. We're playing games. It was great. Um, and so that weekend they said at the end, they made an invite to, you should come to church. Sure. And it was like a little Baptist church. Right. And everybody in the town knew each other. So I woke up on Sunday. This is the first time I was going to go to a church that wasn't a wedding or a funeral or something. Uh, I wake up, I put on my Sunday duds yeah. and I walk like, cause they're not driving me. They're still asleep. So I walk like seven, eight blocks down to the Baptist church and I get there and the usher is right there. He's got the tie and the suit on. He knows yeah. me. He goes, Chris, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm coming to church. He's like, all right, go down to the basement. I'm like, wow, I kind of wanted to go to like real church, you know? Yeah. So I go down to this basement and God bless him. But it's like this musty, dampy, <laughs> You know, like it, it, it just smells weird. And I'm down there with like a baby and like a five-year-old, mm. you know, and the sweet lady's back and she's doing the velvet Jesus again. <laughs> and I'm like, I remember asking her, like, can I go upstairs? She's like, well, are your grandparents here? I'm like, no, you know, and I, I just never went back yeah. after that. I never Bummer. went back. Yeah. Because in their mind, what, you'd be a kid that would be disruptive. Oh yeah, and, totally. And without totally. supervision. Especially. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And they're uh, like, and I just was so, I really wanted to go to the big one, you know? Yeah. And so I just never really went back. And mm-hmm. I really, that my great, great grandma, Una Johnson, um, was babysitting me when she was 91 years old. And she was a Methodist Sunday school teacher. Mm-hmm. And I remember we would play checkers. And then at night, um, she would, she would tell me the stories, right? Mm-hmm. Like the basic story, like, and of I knew, the Bible. Yeah. yeah. And, and she was praying for me because she knew 
like what I was going through. Mm-hmm. She was a sweet human being and she would try her best, you yeah. know, but anyway, it wasn't like in high school, not really interested. Yeah. And in college, it wasn't until, well, I can unpack that later, but yeah, that's kind of the, the, you know, the childhood. Yeah. So Faith, you, you were introduced a little bit, but didn't, bit. didn't have, it was, it just wasn't a part of your lifestyle. It wasn't at and all. And you go no. to school and you actually study, which I, I bet our listeners can understand a little bit more, Chris, you studied like what sports broadcasting so and radio and these this things. Is, this is what happened. Here's the true story. So I go from a class of 18 <laughs> and my first class at the university of Iowa, I knew nobody. And I'm in this American politics class and there's like 600 people in this lecture hall. I spend the whole time just looking <laughs> like I'm not even what listening. Is this? What, yeah. it, it, this is the biggest room I've ever seen in my yeah. life, you know? And, uh, I took these big classes that I was completely not interested in, the general education ones. At the end of my first semester, I got a letter sent home that said, you have a 2.0. If you don't get a better grade point, you are done. And I was like, because I'd never had freedom. Yeah, sure. You know, so yeah. like I'm experiencing freedom. I'm like, I can go yeah. out for a walk at three in the morning, you know? Like, <laughs> right. Um, and, and so right away, I figured out, I, if I don't do well at this, there's not a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. in Anita. I got to figure this out. I got to mm-hmm. turn it around. So I started just going through back then. It was like a catalog, like looking at the majors. Yeah. I'm like, well, I really like radio and TV. I'm going to, but then the, like the requirement to get into that school was really high. So I just started taking radio and TV classes that were hands-on and, yeah. you know, really started to kill it in that side of it and yeah. really was interested. And to the point where we had our own TV show on Saturday night. We did some improv stuff and it was really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually you land in Florida. Yeah. And, and still faith is not really a part of your life. Well, no, no, but, but then something changes, right? It does. It does. And so this is what happened. Um, I was walking through the communication building at university of Iowa and they had this flyer and it said, um, are you interested in a career in TV? ESPN needs like two guys to help. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I pull yeah, the number, you know, yeah, and I, sure. I call right away and they're like, yeah, you know, they interview me real quick. And the next night, like I'm on the floor of the university of Iowa uh, and I'm getting paid $50 a night to, to hold the cable for the cameraman. Yeah. Right. And in the midst of that, I get to go like in my break, I'm going to the truck. I'm right. talking to like Mike Tirico and all these, <laughs> and I'm like, this is like, when you see the Wizard of Oz and yeah. you pull apart the curtain and the guys are pulling the string, <laughs> like this, it, I, all of a sudden something just lights up in me. Yeah. I'm like, I was born for this, right? And so I worked a few more times. I still have my first like pay stub from ESPN. Like it was so <laughs> cool. And and then half of my friends were going to California and half of my friends were going to Florida to pursue TV and film yeah. jobs. So I came down to Florida and it quickly got just. Um, I started working in a little bit of TV and then that got sold out. Um, tried to get a job with Nickelodeon. That didn't work. Got back into radio because I had done that in college. Mm-hmm. And then like that company got bought out. And eventually it was like, do you want to be, do you want to come back to and work in Orlando for free? Because <laughs> you could work for free if you want. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> yeah. What do, how do I do that? And my good buddy that works still in radio, Brian, um, he's like, why don't you move in with my mom? We'll work for free. That guy, he worked for free for a year and it worked out for him. But I was like, wow. I'm not at 23 going to move. Yeah. So I can't, can't, kind of came to this point where I'm like, I literally have no money. Yeah. I am depressed. Um, I had started seeing a counselor who started helping me unpack things which was great. But the first counselor I went to, no kidding, fell asleep during one of my sessions. <laughs> like that is, and I'm like, are you, hello? Right. You know, I, so I had to wow. fire that counselor because yeah. that was just awful. I'm like, that's the first counselor. I mean, the good news is you fired him, but he was asleep, so he didn't even hear it. He didn't even so hear it. Was, it. He it didn't was he was, in fairness, he was very old. Uh, but <laughs> I was like, I'm a pretty good storyteller, I feel right. like. And you're falling asleep to and this. And even when you're not a good storyteller, your body language and right. tone and volume, like, yeah. yeah. It was like, and, and so then I just started, like, I remember one time he fell asleep and I'm just like saying, bar, 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 you know, seeing if he's asleep. And he, right. 
okay, we're done. <laughs> so I got a new counselor. If your counselor falls asleep, get a new one. That's, yeah. my, that's my challenge. Um, no, but I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. I don't know. I'm depressed. I have no money. I don't want to move back to Iowa. I'll feel like a complete failure. Mm. Um, got student loans at this point, you know? And so I started doing, um, I started doing wedding and TV mm -hmm. video production mm -hmm. and, uh, I started doing it on my own. And then I met up with this guy named Kevin. Kevin is the godparents of my two kids. Mm. Um, and it was interesting because we were going to Disney mm -hmm. and they have this thing called the wedding pavilion there. Yeah. And in Japan, in the culture in Japan, they have this thing where when you get married, you have to invite everyone you know. Yeah. In you, Japan. In Japan. Yeah. You have to invite everyone. And you got to pay for the whole thing. You got to pay for the whole yeah. thing. And it doesn't even matter if you don't like them. Right. You've got to invite them. <laughs> or it's just like a terrible offense. And so what started happening was that Japanese couples, parents would say, go to Disney, get married. We'll fly over with you. We'll have a great vacation. It'll cost 20% of inviting all these schmucks that we don't want to come. <laughs> right. And so it started to create this business where Interesting. people would go to Disney. They would literally have a five-minute ceremony. Then they'd go to the Grand Floridian, this really nice hotel. Mickey and Minnie would come out and dance around yeah. and cut the cake. Yeah. The whole wedding took 30 minutes. And we started doing we started working with these companies yeah, and we were doing like 20 weddings a day <laughs> at Disney. And, and, and Kevin, my friend owned this company. Yeah. And now like we're doing 20. So here's the funny part of the story. The Japanese company comes to Kevin and says, do you have an office? Uh, Kevin son, do you have an office in Las Vegas? He goes, yeah, we did not. <laughs> he, it, but so, we'll pull one up real quick. So he goes and flies out to Vegas, gets us an office out there, and then, um, like, hires somebody to run yeah. uh, what it was called was K&K &K Video Production. Yeah. That Now we're doing 100 weddings in Disney. We're doing, like, 80 weddings in Vegas. Yeah. Everything's going great. And then the Japanese guys go, hey, do you have an office in Waikiki? Kevin goes, of course we do. We don't. We are on a plane flying to Waikiki, get a, 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 a condo out there, yeah. hire some guy out there. Now we're killing it. Yeah. We're doing uh, Orlando. We're doing Vegas. Vegas we're Hawaii. doing Hawaii. And then, like, money like we've never seen, right? Yeah. Then 9-11 happens. 9-11 mm. happens. I'm driving to the office thinking that I, I can't believe these paychecks I'm getting, right? Mm -hmm. I'm driving to the office. Kevin calls me. He goes, are you listening to the radio? I'm like, no. He goes, turn your car around, go back. Mm. I'm like, what? He goes, no, they just piled planes into the trade center. Then what happened with our business? Everybody was terrified to fly. Yeah. We go from like 200, 300 weddings a week to like none. Yeah. And I know that I'm going from the most money I've ever made to I'm not getting paid anything. Yeah. I'm not, and I'm 20 some years old. So yeah. You know, it's not like I have a great 401k program or something. <laughs> right. And I remember the next day after 9-11 driving into the office and I walk in the front door and the secretary is just like shaking her head like we're done. Mm. And I go to the other owner and he's like, I think we're going to have to start firing people. And I go out the back and Kevin's in the back. And I'm scared. And I said, uh, hey, man. He goes, hey, man, how's it going? I'm like, are you not freaked out by this? He goes, right. no, man, I'm not yeah. freaked out. Yeah. And he had something at that moment that I have never seen in my entire life. He said, let's go get a coffee. I'm like, I don't even know if we can afford coffee, you know? Right. He's like, bro, it's going to be okay. And I remember looking at him, and I'll never forget this. And I put my arm on, like, his arm, and I'm, like, almost shaking him, like, Kevin, you don't understand how bad this is. Mm -hmm. He goes, dude, God feeds the birds. He's going to take care of us. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. We're going to manage it. Yeah. We're not going to be homeless. And that's exactly what I needed at that moment because yeah. I had already been like a bottle of anxiety and <laughs> depression. But he had something.
Yeah. And he was so much different than everybody else who has ever approached me about Jesus Christ to that point. Sure. The example is I had a really good friend in college. His dad was a Baptist preacher. He would always try to get me to come to church. Mm -hmm. No interest. When I moved down here, I had a really good friend and he really wanted me to get to come to church. So I finally broke and I went to this like almost like a house church. Mm -hmm. And they said, who brought a new person, you know, and he raised his hand and I felt like I was like bait and switched, yeah, gotcha. you know, yep. like, so I don't know. Yeah. But, but with Kevin, it was different. It was so different because he never really invited me until I said, why are you so calm? Everybody else is freaking out. Yeah. Why are you so calm? He goes, you want to know why I'm calm? Like, let me tell you about God. Mm hmm. And for the first time, because I knew that he cared about me. Yeah. I knew that he wasn't trying to bait and switch me. Right. Um, and I loved him. Right. Yeah. But he had something that I'd never seen in another human. Yeah. In the, in the fire, in what was literally like the end of our careers, uh, he had this peace that passed all understanding. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So then um, we started doing a couple of like. Uh, local weddings, yeah. right? So I'm going to all these churches. And here's something for you pastors out there. <laughs> I want to tell you this. Long before I was a pastor, I was a videographer. 90% of the time I would go to a church, the pastor would say, stay out of my way. Don't use a flash. Like totally grumpy to me, huh. you know? And then they would get on stage and say, hey, welcome. You know, it felt so <laughs> fake. You know, after he just chewed me out, yeah. doesn't even know me. Yeah. Um, so I ended up going to this church in Lake Mary, never been there before. I've got, this is back in the day, Zach, where we're using film, like real film, not digital yeah. stuff. Right. I got this Nikon. Our younger I, listeners won't understand that, but yeah, that's fine. Google it. Um, Kodak was big. Anyway, um, I had this really nice camera. I spent good money on a Nikon and I had it loaded. And this guy, I got it around my neck and this short guy comes up to me. <laughs> And he grabs it like he says, hey, how's it going, man? You know, I'm like, hey, good. He grabs it from like around my neck, takes it, and he starts taking pictures with it. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I got 24 pictures of roll. Like he clicks off like five pictures. He goes, this is so cool, man. When did you start taking <laughs> photos? This is great. I'm like, wow, is this black and white? Or I I'm my head is spinning. Right. You know? He goes, all right, I got to go. He disappears into the back room, throws on his you know, pastor gear and walks back up to the stage and it ends up being pastor Paul Hoyer who yeah. hired you, yep. who hired me. Yeah. Right. And I'm like dumbfounded because number one, <laughs> this is the first pastor that right. I've been to that honestly ever gave a crap about sure. me sure. as a person that B didn't like scold me for yeah. being a photographer. And I listened to the message and something just resonated with me. Right. Well, it turns out, that's the church that Kevin went to. And so the next week I went back and I'll be honest with you. The next week I go back, I hate the music. <laughs> it sounds like awful. People are singing and I'm like, I, where else do you go where you just break out into song? Right. Besides a concert. Yeah. Like I don't go to Publix and start singing. I don't go to a grocery store and start singing. Like it was felt so surreal. But then when it got to the message, yeah. like something just resonated with me. Mm. So I can keep going. Yeah. So you meet Paul. Yeah. And I, I think what I what he did next is something that I, I find fascinating. Yeah. What did he do with you? So I had been going to Holy Cross. Um, I had just got engaged um, to engaged Jen. Engaged to Jen. Yeah. yeah. My wife of 20 years. Love you, baby. Um, <laughs> just got engaged. And I just felt this over... I, I don't know how else to say it, Zach. I'm working in my office with Kevin. I'd been going to Holy Cross for a few weeks. And all I can explain, it was like, a, you ever heard a woodpecker like on a tree outside yeah. and it won't go away? It's just like nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, shut up, woodpecker. You know? So that morning I rolled in and I had this thought that would never leave my head. Call Pastor Paul, call Pastor Paul, call Pastor Paul, call Pastor. And it would not leave. It was like mm. the woodpecker in my head. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, this is stupid. I'm not going to call him. He's busy. He's got stuff going on. Uh, and so I ignore it. 
And it just gets louder in my head until yeah. like two o'clock that afternoon. I'm finally like, okay, fine. Pick up my cell phone. I call Pastor Paul. I said, Paul, this is Chris. Hey, Chris, how's it going? You know, he's just so extroverted <laughs> sure. and stuff. Yeah. And I said, Paul, I, this, I don't know how to explain it to you, but since nine o'clock this morning, something has been telling me to call you. He's like, that's great. I'll see you in 15 minutes. I'm like, what, what, what? Like, it's going to take me 30 to get there. Okay, I'll see you in 30. You know, like, <laughs> so I hop in my Mercury Tracer, right. sweet Mercury Tracer. I drive to Lake Mary. Um, and when I walk into his office, it's a, it's a nice office, but he's got he, like three chairs sat in a circle. Mm. And so at the time, he's got his admin guy yeah. and he's got himself. And I sit down. I literally, Zach, I have no idea why I'm there. I have no <laughs> right. idea. And so um, I sit down and I just, I said, hey, Paul, I don't know, man. Like, I used to coach youth sports and stuff. Like, I know you're starting a school. Maybe you need me for that. I have no idea why I'm here. He goes, let me tell you why I'm here, why you're here. I'm like, okay. He goes, we've been praying for the last few weeks about bringing somebody in to, we're trying to build this website. Yeah. We're trying to up our marketing game, like with, you know, stuff. He goes, we believe that's you. I said, okay. Um, and then he tells me what they're going to pay me. And it's like $16,000 a year, you know, and, and it's only 30 hours or, so, or 20 hours or something, but it's like, I hadn't worked for that amount of money since like I was at Best Buy, you know, my <laughs> freshman year, but something was super compelling to me, you know, yeah. like it was so compelling. And so I remember saying, let me think about it, you know, mm -hmm. and I get back in the car and I called Jen, my fiance yeah. at the time. And she goes, are you seriously considering this? I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, it'd be nice to have some security mm -hmm. and I could still do the wedding stuff on the side. Mm -hmm. And I remember her looking at me and saying, does this mean I have to go to church? I'm like, I have no idea. Because that wasn't a part of her family. No, her... she grew up in it like a great family. Yeah. But that was not part of their yeah. deal. It was yeah. not part of the rhythm, you know? Um, and, and so, yeah. Uh, and then over the night, like I just wake up in the middle of the night and I'm just convinced that I have to take this, you know, mm. but I, it's, I can't figure out why, <laughs> like there's no sure. earthly reason I should take yeah. this job. You know, I mean, I, at that point I was getting paid like $3,000 a wedding, right? Like yeah, I, I had six of those and that's the whole year <laughs> at Holy Cross, you know? Yeah. Um, so I end up coming back to Paul the next day and said, yeah, I think I'm going to take this. He's great, great, great. And he, God bless Paul. He's a great guy, but he's got the worst training program in the world. I, <laughs> you know, I show up and he's like, okay, just make graphics, you know, and right. I'm, I'm on the computer like, oh, well, I need this, this, this. And he's like, get it, get it, get it, get it. And uh, we're doing it. And I, that's how I yeah. got my job at the church. It's cool. And I know, yeah, we can fast forward yeah, your, sure. your story. And spending 19 years and getting ordained as pastor, you just planted yeah. a church. But I want to, before we get to where we are now, sure. Uh, I think it's really important. I'd love for you to kind of summarize a couple of key pieces. Let me actually let me tell you what I heard yeah. was important, sure. and you tell me if you want to add or subtract or change. Perfect. So I heard really two really powerful things. One, uh, in what we can do if we have a someone who maybe doesn't know Christ, uh, the, the example of Kevin. Oh my gosh. Of, I still believe that when we operate in a different way than what the world does, that it forces people to ask questions that can be awesome opportunities for us to share our faith. God was in relentless pursuit of me my yeah. entire life. And it wasn't till I met Kevin yeah. that I understood that. Yeah, you needed someone to just look and be different uh, and, and not force it on you, mm -hmm. but be enough in relationship with you that you could see it Yeah, and how cool that is. And so I think a shout out to all those who are staying faithful and true. And when crises hit, you're, you're not panicking, you're not freaking out. You're, you're calm. You're still joyful. You're happy. You're I can't tell you how important that was. I I've always been like very observant and like I, to almost to a fault. Like mm -hmm. I, um, I look at a room and I, I've always been a notorious people pleaser. Mm -hmm. And I also, um, I, uh, you know, my therapist would say you have a sense of abandon. 
Mm-hmm. You're right. So I feel like if I don't please people, they're going to leave. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and then that took a long time to unpack. But uh, yeah, you know, when I when I saw everybody else in the room freaking out and I saw Kevin as calm mm-hmm. as he was when we were making mm-hmm. 300 weddings a week, I was like, I cannot understand for the life. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let's keep being that that person that forces someone <laughs> to ask the question. I think that's that first Peter. 315 that I love to talk about it versus, you know, always be prepared to give the answer of the reason for the hope that you have. Right. And I think people jump to giving the answer and we should know the answer, but before an answer, a uh, question's got to come first. And so we live in those lives that are forcing other people to ask questions. But then the other thing I heard, especially in, in the life of Pastor Paul and yeah. his example was he was really good at, I would say, being open-handed Maybe before others, we heard this in another interview this season with uh, Aaron and Hannah Barnett of just being more open-handed quicker (laughs) with people that maybe not as qualified or have all the right boxes, but the more we can hand off things and maybe it's messy for a bit, but trusting in in the process and in God through people. Well, Ben, Ben, his son, our good friend, Ben. Always used to say, my dad employs people as a form of evangelism, <laughs> which I thought it was so funny uh, because, like, you know, the janitor wasn't a Christian, you know, like I, I didn't know if I was a yeah. Christian at that point. But, yeah. but the thing that I loved about Paul, one of my best mentors of all time, was that he realized that discipleship was not a microwave thing. He realized I was going to fall like mm-hmm. I never I mean, besides my grandpa, I never really had a father figure. Yeah. And so, like, when I had my first daughter, Kylie, I'd never seen what a good dad yeah. does, you know? And so I remember her calling him up one time. She was teething at night, and she's, like, crying and crying and crying. And Jen would work – my wife would work at night, and I would work in the day. So we'd, like, kiss and pass the baby. And yeah. I was like, it's 2 in the morning. I got to sleep. You know, but the next day I remember talking to Paul, I'm like, Kylie's teething. And she goes, yeah, uh, do you have any whiskey? Just put some whiskey on her gums. <laughs> I'm like, you know, Paul is really wise, but he's not always right. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I think that's so good. And, and so, uh, yeah, let's have eyes of, and, and live the sort of lives that are not only going to force people to ask the question, but also let's raise up people and invite them into something bigger. Mm. Maybe even before we feel like they're ready. Cause well, yeah. you get stories like this. Cause yeah, you, you, you went into the church. It started as a communication, uh, but then you, you got into, you know, ministry uh, mm. and leading youth and all those things. And then of course it progresses. Your family's now obviously all following Jesus. Everybody's right. gotten baptized. Yep. You, you get a degree for uh, to be a pastor mm. And, uh, and then just in the last five, six months, you've planted a new church. Yeah. So for me, all I, I really enjoy, uh, working with young people, mm-hmm. but as I get older, like I enjoy less the, <laughs> uh, elementary age, uh, just being honest, like I love kids, but, yeah. um, I, I, I really like high school yeah. and I like college and mm-hmm. I like those. And so doing youth ministry literally for 20 years, what I realized was that number one, we have, just so you understand at home, we have a school, uh, our church, um, as part of our network has a elementary school and an upper school. And what I was seeing was that a lot of the families that were going to the upper school wanted to go to the upper school because not because we had a great education, not because uh, only because we were Christian, but because it was safe Mm -hmm. and it was small class sizes. Mm -hmm. So what ended up happening was that almost two thirds of our families didn't have church homes. Mm -hmm. And so I could see that God was doing something. Yeah. Right. There's a mission field there. hundred percent. hundred percent. But I didn't want to create what had already been created. Yeah. So I did this thing where I went out and I had like 40 lunches uh, over a year's period. Yeah. With people that loved me, young people that loved me and people that I loved. Yeah. And I just would ask them, why are you not going to church? Mm. Uh, why are you not going to church? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and how long ago did you do this? Um, let's see. It was about a year before we launched. So, so in the last couple of years, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But I just made it, uh, yeah. it super intentional. Like at least two times a week, I'm going out with some young person who's yeah. not going to church who I've had a relationship with. Yep. And uh, we started getting these answers back, and I would come back, and I would, 
like create an Excel file of it. Yeah. Uh, and like one example was this one kid said exactly what I said earlier. Like every time I go to church, I feel like everybody else knows what's going on and I don't. Mm. When I go to church, it's too bright. And I feel like people are staring at me because mm -hmm. I've never been to church before. Mm. Uh, I like to party. I don't want to go to church at nine o'clock in the morning. You know, we got, and they were super authentic. Yeah. Like, I'll give Jen uh, Z this. They, they are super authentic. You know, <laughs> right. like they really will tell you everything yeah. that they are thinking, like more than I would have. <laughs> um, so we came back with like 30 things. Right. Yeah. And then we started seeing the common points. Yeah. And so I said, okay, what if we created a church that was dark? that, um, you know, didn't have the typical format that not really going to be at 8 a.m. Not at 8 a.m. We're going to do it at 1130. Um, we're going to have breakfast. We're going to have, you know, like we do this big thing with barbecues like once a month. Everybody loves it. But we strove to strive to be like the Chick-fil-A, like yeah. authentic. You come in. Yeah. Um, and I went back to that group. And I said, if we created this and I gave them the vision, mm -hmm. would you come? And our opening service, we had 248 people. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say at least half were unconnected. Cool. And now we're averaging around 90 to 100 people. Yeah. But it was funny that last week, like I love to do, and this is the advantage of being a church plant. You know this. Yeah. Like you can just mix it up. <laughs> right. Like you don't have to report like – you just look at the sound guy and say, I'm doing this, you know? <laughs> right. And so um, last week, they have slides for everything, but I did the Lord's Prayer, right? Mm -hmm. Like 25% of the people knew it. Mm. Like you just heard. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that's where we're know. at. Yeah. That's where yeah. we're at. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. You know, like, okay, look, we can go from there. Right. But uh, it's been honestly uh, the most fun I've had in ministry. Yeah. Like really fun. Cool. Uh, yeah, really cool. What have you learned about God in the process of planting the church? Uh, I will tell you. So here is, I'm pulling the veil back. Four weeks before <laughs> we planted this church, we had $25 in our bank account. <laughs> and I, my dear friend, my right-hand man, Blake Wright, came to me, and it's like a one-on-one -on -one meeting. And he goes, Chris, we cannot launch in four weeks. <laughs> we don't even have a drum set. Like, <laughs> And like the we have walls, six dollars per Sunday. We're we're weeks. in a gym. We can't even afford like a bottle of wine at this yeah. point for communion. And 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 no joke. I've been in that gym. It's a nice gym, but the acoustic like it's, it's off. All, it was off. literally one off. of the worst acoustics room yeah, like, I've ever heard. It, it, prior to you guys being in there oh, doing work. My gosh. So I remember going home that night and just being like, because I, I trust Blake, right? You yeah. Know? And but I'm like praying about it, and God's just like, no, you got it. You know, just a feeling, yeah. right? You've got to do this. You cannot. Yeah. You've been hyping this. You have forty people on your core team. You cannot yeah. build this momentum and not do it. And so the next day, I get this phone call from a friend. It's like a major company. I can't mention it. I promised, but a major company has this grant. Yeah. Uh, for planning churches, mm. you should apply for it. And I kind of just like, okay, whatever. Okay, sure. You're being sweet, you know. Mm -hmm. And like the next day, she's like, no, apply for it. So there was two grants for $10,000. Mm -hmm. So I get on the line right away with these people and I tell them my story and how I went around and everything. Yeah. And they're like, we're going to give you both <laughs> $10,000 grants nice. and, and they're reoccurring. Wow. And so I get $20,000. And so I get home like after this meeting and yeah. I'm like, my eyes are shut. And my wife is always like, I'm like, she's the one that's kind of said, okay, chill out, you know, cause I've got these big ideas I want to do it. And she's like, let's be practical about it. That's what I love about her. But she's like, let's not count the money until it's in the bank. And I'm like, okay, fair. So a few days later, check for $20,000. Wow. Right. And then um, it just starts rolling in. Yeah. And I had this, Zach, I'm not kidding you. I had the estimate to make the gym mm -hmm. what we needed to make. Mm -hmm. It was $41,000. Mm -hmm. I'm talking, you know how expensive XLR cables are, oh, yeah. microphones, yeah. like lights, all, of it. Yeah. all this stuff, right? Soundboard, yeah. a coffee, all this stuff. Like I had no idea, yeah. dude. So $41,000. In one week, we raised $42,000. Mm. Not too much. Like, 
Yeah. God's good, but he's not, not it's not like a hundred thousand dollar check, you know? <laughs> it's like wait, you prayed for forty one, here's forty two. Yeah. I got you and a little bit a more. A little and bit I more. Think, I, I think that's so many people's like not just church planting, but like our stories is just you see God show up and he gives <laughs> you what you need, but maybe not a lot more than you need so that you keep relying on him, but then he keeps showing up. So I just, you, you see that in the old Testament, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that as Americans, we save up stuff, we store up stuff and, and I'm all for saving like that. Yeah. Figure that out. Be smart with it. But at the same time, like I see the Israelites, they get the manna every day and it's like, you get enough for today, but don't take tomorrow. Uh, you know, yeah. and, and even in the Lord's prayer that right. only 25% of your church knows, <laughs> give us today, give us today. It's like repeated today, our daily bread. I know. And it's like, man, we struggle. Give we me want, tomorrow's bread. We want to make sure we got enough bread, <laughs> right. you know, for the next 10 years. I know. I know. And it's, it's hard. Like, it's hard to like, I will say trust, but then you just see God show up. And I think in church planning world yeah. that those stories are just so much fun when it's like, we had this need, we had no idea. It didn't come early. It didn't come late. It came right on time and it was just what we wanted. Well, and, and Blake was being practical too, right? Like it, if, yeah. if, if God wouldn't have showed up like that, it would have been a disaster. <laughs> like it, we would have been yeah. singing Kumbaya on a gym bay, you know, like it would have been right. awful. Right. Um, but the one other part of my story I forgot to mention, like, yeah. um, when I was growing up and going through that hell, right. Mm -hmm. Um, I had my aunt Jan who was living in the house. She was my old, like biggest cheerleader and mm. she was like loving and mm -hmm. she went through the same kind of stuff that I went through. Mm -hmm. So, and still to this day, one of my biggest cheerleaders love her dearly, but I remember praying, why are you letting me go through this? Yeah. Right. And so I had been doing youth ministry for like a year mm -hmm. and I had this kid like always just like emotional and stuff. Finally, we built this pretty good authentic relationship. And about three months later, he came in and he goes, I'm being abused at home. Mm. I feel depressed and suicidal. And uh, I feel like this is going to be the way that's always going to be. Wow. Like said my exact same yeah. words. And I'm like, holy cow, dude, sit down. This is not the way it's always going to be. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help you. We're mm. going to get you out. He's like, but I don't want to be in a foster home. I'm like, dude, we're going to figure it out. Yeah. And we got him help. Wow. And uh, if I never would have gone yeah. through what I would have gone through, I don't think I could have ministered the way that I, I so was good. able to. You know what I mean? So good. So it's not like God made that happen, mm -hmm. but he always makes good things out of the crap yeah. that you go through. Right? Yeah. You know, as you're talking about, you know what I'm reminded of is that podcast you do with david blackburn who has the ministry nothing is wasted yeah right nothing yeah. is what even in your story yeah, like yeah. that that kid is it's not you. wasted yeah and it wasn't god yeah. had a purpose for it even though he didn't it was super it was tough and, man and, super yeah. tough and what dave went through was way worse yeah. than what i went through but it wasn't wasted you well, know it's not compared yeah i mean it's, i know i get it but yeah yeah absolutely that that was tough um but yeah so now we're cranking we're having a great it's fun, time. Man. It's really fun. And that's one Even of Even in the side conversations, just hearing, you know, your passion for it and heart. It's been really I cool. Love to, I love it. Really cool to see God, God doing all, all that he's doing through Resurrection Church. Well, and our one of our, we have five core values, but number two is fun. Yeah. Like uh, we're going to have fun. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have fun together. I'm surprised that that you would have that, you yeah. know, you know, I so love it. Serious like, come and... on, you know, we just said in a previous podcast, like time is the most valuable commodity right. we have. Like if I'm going somewhere, I want to have fun too. Yeah, absolutely. Like I want to, I want to be the disciple. I want to have fun. Let's go. I want to eat good barbecue. <laughs> All right. A little pot, little podcast review okay. with you. Uh, I'd love to know, you know, you've been in this journey with me from the start and we've had 50 some episodes yeah. and uh, what, what are a couple of key things or takeaways that you've learned yeah. or seen from, so, from this podcast journey that we're on? I, this has really been a game changer. Um, like hearing so many people that are passionate about discipleship, right. Mm -hmm. um, and seeing like your vision on this whole thing, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. the, uh, discipleship is messy. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you can't just create some kind of course. Like at some point yeah. you have to invest yourself in building those authentic relationships. And then when you build those authentic relationships, you're going to get burnt sometimes too. <laughs> right. Like that was one of the things we just interviewed the guy and he's like, hey, 
what was it? Caesar? Caesar. We're talking to Caesar. Which is, yeah, maybe even coming out later this okay. season. But well, that's fine. Caesar's like, you know, I the classic example. I feel like I'm great at making disciples at the church, <laughs> but I'm horrible in my own neighborhood. Yeah. Like, I don't even know some of my people in my neighborhood, yeah. you know? And I've got this thought that if I did something, nobody's going to come, you know? And Caesar, that's a great episode where he's like, just do it, man. Yeah. Just get people together. And I think that's where we've got to start. We've got to fight against like yeah. this wave that we've created these inter entertainment systems in our own home mm -hmm. and we don't need anybody else. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what so many of our people have been talking about. I think when you boil it down, discipleship really at its core is about building an authentic relationship with somebody yeah. and, and walking through it. There is nothing else in our life that is more important. Like when you, sit at Zender Estates and you're 85 <laughs> years old, right? And you're retired. Yeah. You're not going to look back and say, how many books did I sell? How yeah. many times was I promoted? How many conferences did I speak at? What you're going to ultimately focus on are how were the relationships in my life? Yep. You know, and I think that's my biggest takeaway from all this. We can talk about all the processes and everything, yep. but ultimately we have to build authentic relationships yeah. and we have to be as try to be like formed into the image of God yeah. and be selfless. Yeah. Love it. I'm going to put you on the spot in yeah. the first four seasons, yeah. not counting the fifth one that we're currently recording. Uh -huh. uh, maybe, maybe it's not favorite, but give me an episode or two that's coming to mind. That was really cool uh, for the, you to be um, part of the, the, the Boston bombing. Yeah. Rebecca, Rebecca, Rebecca. I mean, Gregory I have Young. listened to episode three. I I'm think. telling you what, man, I have listened to that one <laughs> multiple times. Yeah. Um, so such a powerful story. It is such. And if you have not heard the Rebecca Gregory one, like everybody that I put on that one, they're like, wow, boy, 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 boy. Yeah. It? It's just a great testament to like, again, God doing something great out of something horrific. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't even imagine being there and yeah. seeing it. It's. Mm. Yeah, I, that was one of my all time favorites. Um, uh, there's so many good ones. I know, but I know. There's so many good ones. Mama Z. I love Mama Z. <laughs> Amen to that. Who doesn't love she's, a little Mama she's Z? The best. All right, Chris, you know the drill. Yeah. We challenge all of our guests to challenge yeah. our listeners to drop one thing practically. Yeah. We want to help them as everyday disciples to be greater. So, what's one thing, one challenge that you would issue? Uh, to everybody listening this week. So listen, uh, discipleship starts as a relationship. Um, it starts as a relationship. And so many times, like when we're trying to get somebody to go to church, like we invite them, but people are not going to move unless they know that you care. Yeah. People are not going to listen to you unless they know you love them. Uh, so my challenge to you is to, with no strings attached, because I hate the I hate, you know, the, the, the what, bait and switch. I've I hate the bait before. and switch. Yeah. I hate the That's where you're going, right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. Build, um, take somebody out to lunch who is not a Christian, who's not part of your circle. Maybe it's somebody at your work. Maybe it's somebody else and start to hear their story. Start to listen to their story mm. and start to build that relationship. That's exactly what Kevin did to me. And that was life-changing to me. I yeah. would not be on this podcast, I would not be a pastor if, if Kevin yeah. wouldn't have taken me out for coffee. So that's my that's suggestion. Just take somebody out. All right, listeners, if you take on that challenge, hashtag red letter disciple, maybe snap a photo of the food you're eating. And I love it when the challenge involves food. I do too. That's just a take good, them to Chipotle. That's just a good one. All right, Chris, I normally <sighs> turn it over to you at this point to do a game with our guest, but you're the guest. So I've got a game for you. Okay. Uh, people know if they've listened that I live in Nebraska currently and that you have resided in Iowa and you still call that your home I state. I do. That's my town. And you That's seem my state. really proud of it. And Love you it. kind of knock on the state of Nebraska. And so I have what I call the Nebraska versus Iowa challenge. I'm sure this is I just want to see how well you truly know these two states. <laughs> you make big claims, but oh, yeah. like, do you even know anything well, about either state? I know a lot about Iowa. I try to erase everything about Nebraska, but go ahead. So I've got 10 questions. All right, let's go. Just, which state, Nebraska or Iowa? Okay. And if you get... Uh, <laughs> what do I win? If you get eight out of 10. Will you take me out for dinner? I'm going to buy you dinner tonight. Okay, let's go. Let's go. 
Eight out of ten. All right, you ready? Do I get to pick? I feel like I got a couple of. uh, No, I'm still picking. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I I feel like I I got a couple easy ones. If I get ten out of ten, do I get to pick the restaurant? I will talk. We'll talk (laughs) offline. All right. First one. Kool Aid was invented in this state. Oh my gosh! For real. So that's funny because I remember one time in college I was so poor that I went down to the grocery store and all I could buy was ramen noodles and Kool-Aid. And then I got back and we didn't have sugar. Um, So I'm going to say Nebraska. You are correct. One for one. Okay. It's football team was reportedly named the Cornhuskers prior to 1900. Yeah. That's probably Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. 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 And then you stole it. Well, we just went to the better state. (laughs) Hogs outnumber people eight to one in this state. Iowa. You knew I'd go there. Yeah. It has the largest weight room in the United States. Oh, my goodness. I was really big, but you're never going to give me that kind of positivity. So it must be Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah. yeah. The world's largest porch swing is in a small town in this state. I'm four for four. Mm-hmm. World's largest. World's porch? largest porch swing is in a small town. I'm going to go Iowa. Mm, that's Nebraska. All right. Four for five. Johnny Carson is from this state. Okay, this is disputed because he, you, I bet you say Nebraska, but he's actually was born in Corning, Iowa. I know that for a fact. So it is Iowa, even though when he was on the Tonight Show, he claimed that his home state was Nebraska. Oh, he did? I didn't know that. Yes, yeah, did. I actually have Iowa. All right, all right. That I'm one, not trying to trick you. That one you. gets me heated. But if Carson claims Nebraska, I mean, that's. Oh, geez, no, he did. He never claimed Iowa. Not, I'm, not, I'm not shocked he would <laughs> he would claim Nebraska, not Iowa. All right, you're five of six. The world's first electronic digital computer was built here, Nebraska or Iowa. Do you do you guys have electricity yet? I'll say Nebraska because you'd never give that kind of credit to Iowa. Iowa. Oh, you dog. Five oh. out of seven. All right. This state's university football program has been named the number one football team at the end of the season eight times by either the AP or the coaches poll. Well, there's, you know, there was a time back in the early 1900s that Nebraska was decent and now they stink. So it's Nebraska. It is Nebraska. Eight, eight times. How many times has this happened for Iowa? This is once. not on the once or twice zero. Oh, that's garbage. 1959. Google it. Zero. Apparently they won a national championship, <sighs> they but did. they still never ended the year ranked number one by either the AP or the coaches poll. So you're six of eight. How many did you got to get for dinner? Eight. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The, okay. I'm going to get it. 50, 50 chances. Nine, one, one was first used here. Iowa. Hmm. Was it Nebraska? It's Nebraska. Yeah. Well, there's more crime here. <laughs> the red delicious apple came from this state. Really? Yeah. Which well, one? You guys love the color. Which one? You guys love the color red. It's got to be Nebraska. It's Iowa. God Man, you bless America. Out. You fizzled out. Six out of ten. Which proves he doesn't really know <laughs> the state that he claims he loves Ugh. or the one that he claims he hates. Ugh. So, you know, there you go. Maybe... Maybe somebody learned an interesting fact there that will Zachary, help them that was in a lot Jeopardy of fun, in the future. Friend. That was Chris. Fun. Love you, brother. Uh, I am super honored to walk this journey yeah, with man. you, and it's, uh, it's it's cool to know we have lots of laughs and fun together, and we'll continue to do that. But there's a serious uh, side of your faith mm. that I'm just so proud of you for you. all that you're doing, all you have done for following the will of God and being obedient. And I know that that takes sacrifice for not just you, but Jen and the family. And uh, it ain't easy planting a church, but man, it's rewarding and yeah. it's changing lives. And so keep at it. And, well, pray uh, for us. That's your challenge. Pray for <laughs> resurrection church. There you go. All right, <laughs> listeners, we'll be back next week. See ya. Well, I love my friend, Chris, and I'm honored that I get to do this with him. And I, I'm really genuinely happy that he got to share his story with the Red Letter Disciple audience. If you want to connect more with Chris, uh, you want to learn more about his new church plant or grab those awesome Red Friday deals I was telling you about at the beginning that are happening right now at our website, you can check it out at redletterpodcast.com. That's where you're going to find the show notes for today's episode. Of course, when you go to redletterpodcast.com, just click on the episode with Chris Johnson and you'll see all of these links there. And again, those Red Friday deals that are only good for like a little bit of time, but they're live right now. So go get them. 
All right, two episodes left in season five before we break for the Christmas and New Year season. Next week, we welcome onto the pod the one and only Caesar Kalinowski. Caesar's an author, a pastor, a spiritual entrepreneur, and a podcaster. In fact, he's got one of the most popular discipleship podcasts out there called Everyday Disciple. And I thought, huh, we like discipleship. He likes discipleship. The goals of our podcasts are pretty doggone similar. So we can learn from Caesar and learn from Caesar. We do. Caesar unpacks some really great discipleship opportunities for us today. Gives us really a framework that he he believes and has seen and has so many stories back up how every one of us can be an everyday disciple. And we're going to learn why Caesar decided to feed his family red beans and rice for 42 straight days and how that has to do with discipleship or does it? I don't know. Cliffhanger. Teaser. Hopefully, you'll hear it back next week. All right, come back next week. Make sure you don't miss it. The way you make sure you don't miss it is you press that plus sign. You subscribe and you follow. It'll automatically show up on your feed. And if you could give us a five-star rating or review as you're already clicking around, that would mean the world to us. We'll see you back next week for The Red Letter Disciple. A Huda Media Production.